I was 15 when the first kaiju made land in San Francisco. By the time tanks, jets, and missiles took it down, six days and 35 miles later, three cities were destroyed. Tens of thousands of lives were lost. We mourned our dead, memorialized the attack, and moved on. Welcome to Exposition Street, celebrating geek movies in all their splendiferous glory and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. Welcome to the show. We are uh, doing, once again, our favorite thing to do for you, with you, any time that you feel like spending a little time with us. We're going to talk about a movie that we love, hate, or love to hate, and we're going to do it collectively as a crew because you deserve to get as many opinions thrown as you as possible. And they are always in absolute synchronicity. We are a harmonious bunch that has the exact same opinion about everything we watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was last week's episode. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, let me turn the page. That was last week's oh, episode. Oh, no, this one. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no, this week's episode. Uh, once again, if you would like to be, uh, like to recommend something for the show, please drop us a line. Feedback at prismaticsunami.com is a great way to do that. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com. Or you can drop by our Discord server and say hi. Uh, we love or hate your show, and uh, this is what we want to listen to you talk about. And if you say you hate the show and want to listen to us talk about it, we'll still talk about it because, you know, we're easy that way. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panel to get us started here. Over here. In order to fight monsters, he creates monsters of his own. It's Richard. Oh, sorry, I was just letting my pet kaiju back in. Good call. That's deep, man. That's really deep or really dirty. The I'm town not sure hates which. It when I leave it out after midnight. <laughs> She often thinks about dying when Jaeger is involved. It's Vanessa. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I wasn't sure where we fell on that one, but I thought it was made for a good joke. And he can either sit here and do nothing or grab those flare guns and do something really stupid. It's Jason. I, I, I'm okay with that. You okay? Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, put down the flare gun, sir. And no. finally, by the time no. tanks, jets, and missiles took him down, three cities were destroyed. It's the kid. Today, we are canceling the podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> I bet you guys didn't expect that one. Does that mean I'm off? <laughs> yeah, no. You're always off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this time, uh, we are talking about Pacific Rim. Oh, my God. This movie's been on the list all year for like a year, and we've had access to it. It's just one of those that's gotten kind of shuffled around. We got other stuff we want to watch. And, and uh, I've been looking forward to it because this movie is a steaming pile of fun. That is my phrase. <laughs> a steaming pile it. of something. Why not a steaming pile of something? My inner 13-year-old loves this. You know how I know? He sat and watched it with me a couple weeks ago. So there we go. Uh, Pacific Rim Wait, came out July. Did, did you get What's your that? inner thirteen-year-old? Uh, did, did you get your inner thirteen-year-old and your outer thirteen-year-old confused again? <laughs> it, it happens. He's fourteen now. Uh, oh, hey, congrats! Rely- <laughs> yeah. Wait, was that the inner one or the? Uh, well, um, <clears throat> jury's out. July twelfth, two thousand thirteen, is when this one dropped. It hit number three at the box office that weekend to thirty-seven point two million dollars. That's in July. 
Number two was Grown Ups 2, 41.5. And leading the pack was number one, it was, number one was Despicable Me 2, which was in that. its second week at $43.8 million. Despicable Me is a really cute franchise. <laughs> It didn't nothing have a prayer against that. No. Nothing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Rated PG-13, runtime of two hours and 11 minutes. As a war between humankind and monstrous sea creatures wages on, a former pilot and a trainee are paired up to drive a seemingly obsolete special weapon in a desperate effort to save the world from the apocalypse. That was a mouthful. I'm glad I got through it. Uh, I guess that's, that works. That, that basically describes the movie in a way. That's accurate. Um, it has absolutely zero to do with the reason anybody watched it, however. Giant robots versus kaiju. Yes, that is exactly the reason anybody watched it. <laughs> I watched it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. the rest of it watched it. Rest of us watched it for giant robots versus kaiju on your behalf. Okay, you know, here's a th- funny thing. I was never a big when I was young. I was never a big uh, like kaiju nut or anything like that. I, I wasn't into Godzilla and all that stuff. Uh, I I mean, I was a, I was a kid at one point, so I, I, I guess I loved dinosaurs when I was young. But that was about as close as I got. And of course, dinosaurs weren't real on the screen until Jurassic Park. And by then, I was. In high school. So you lost a little of the special, but man, man, I would have loved this when I was a kid. I would have freaking loved this movie. This was so much fun for my inner 13 year old. Speaking of the only actual kid on the panel, (laughs) I have to say it's still an awesome movie. 40 some viewings later. There you go. 40 some viewings. Oh, hell yeah. But he's got other (laughs) reasons for that. And we're going to get into that. I know we are. Because he's drooling over there where we can't see him behind the microphone to talk about oh. it. Uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, which is saying something because the man is an unbelievably good director who does a lot of times unbelievably good films. This was not nearly as creepy as I was expecting it to be. Because of del Toro? <laughs> I was expecting it to be like creepy and it wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, knowing that you can kind of see it, right? The, all the monster stuff, the creature stuff. The mechs looked interesting. I mean, there was a lot going on there. It all felt very real. I liked that part. Did it? But, they yeah. did some incredible things to create that impression, and we'll talk about that. Uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Blade Guillermo? Two, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, Hellboy Two. Guillermo. Yeah, you know the guy. He was also one of the writers. Um, also wrote some of those other movies and like the Hobbit movies. And he's currently got a show on Netflix actually called Cabinet of Curiosities, which is pretty cool. Looks interesting. You know, if you are a, a horror fan, it's interesting. Uh, and also written by Travis Beecham, who got uh, who's his his kind of writing partner, who uh, did uh, like the 2010 Clash of the Titans, and uh, created Carnival Row, which oh, was a that's kind why of a I cool series. That name. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! After we watched Pacific Rim, we it was early enough in the evening. My dad wanted to watch another movie, so we were scrolling through HBO Max, and we settled on the 2010 Clash of the Titans. Oh, that's that's crazy! You know, and I mm, we we really should maybe do that one at some point. I know that the the kind of the temptation is go back and watch the original, but we know exactly how that's going to hold up. I the the remake was very unmemorable to me. I know it was a pretty movie. I know it had a lot going on, but let's talk about that movie for a while, Jason. No, no. Okay. I just I was just gonna I was just making the funny comment that I watched a movie that was written by the same guy that I just watched the movie of. Now, one thing I don't know if I'll get a whole lot of argument about on this, but the music in this movie was fantastic. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. The music, uh-huh. the scoring was done by Raman uh, ja- Jawadi, 
I'm not trying to say his name exactly, but he did Iron Man. He did Clash of the Titans. Uh, he did he did the music for like Game of Thrones and Westworld, which have some of the most memorable, catchy freaking themes that you know are earworms to the to the hilt. And uh, so much so with with Game of Thrones that the producers couldn't let go of it when they decided to do a spinoff show and use the same damn theme for the opening of House of the Dragon, which I thought was a little corny. They should have done something original. But, you know, they wanted to recapture that magic. And everybody loves that stupid theme song, which is amazing. I mean, they could have at least done something derivative instead That's of literally what I the same thing. Absolutely. Something that that was that, that had maybe even a little piece of it in or something or just, you know. Yeah, a little tribute callback. Not I, Star Trek recycling. did stuff like that a lot over the years. You know, what, what yes, so and they did it. They did some amazing stuff with it. What are you going to say, Vanessa? And it would have that. Punch, I, I you know? appreciate that you little... guys liked the music, but I did not think it was memorable and that I don't remember anything about it after having watched the movie earlier today. <laughs> I've only seen this movie a couple, three times now, uh, but I have listened to the score many times. I think it's a fantastic uh, composition piece of work. And, and it, it must makes, be better when removed with... from the visual. <laughs> I was going to say, even oh, the memorability oh. of it taken out of the question, the way that the music complemented the action scenes was just a tutorial in how to make your music complement action scenes because it was incredible. Uh, apparently, you had to appreciate the scenes for that to matter. <laughs> just looking at the faces on the screen in front of me. <laughs> Baby! <laughs> All right. Well, I got some ideas how some people are going to rate the movie, at least. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have trouble complimenting the action scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me me and Jason well, have some similar things to say about this wow, movie. Wow. Vanessa, Jason team up. We don't get that a lot. That's awesome. I'm, I'm curious where everybody else stands. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Richard, you're the odd man out. We'll have to see. What? Yeah. How? Oh, yeah, well, because, because everybody I, else because has been I hold my scrutable. secrets close to my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else has been very scrutable. Um, Idris Elba starred in this uh, as Stacker Pentecost, Marshall Stacker Pentecost. Uh, this was the same year that he did uh, played Heimdall in Thor The Dark World, the second one. He was in like Thor a few years before that, and he was in Avengers later. You know, he's in MCU now. So uh, Prometheus wa- and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance were like the year before this. He was busy at the time and did a lot of genre stuff. Forgot and there was a sequel to Ghost Rider. Uh, that that yeah. most people did. Well played. <laughs> and those of I us that love, didn't wish we did. Love, love, love Idris Elba. This was not his too. best work. <laughs> even, even the the class that he brought to the role that he took in this movie was not did not help his performance. Are you in kidding? This case. He was the best I, part of the movie. Uh, and that, it took yeah, me and, a while to figure out that it was Idris Elba because he was so not Idris Elba. But we've seen, I think movie. part of that is we've seen so much better from him. Exactly. And that, that even being said though, I, I cannot understate how impressed I was because for me, this character, his performance of this character in this movie literally redefined my idea of the hard ass uh, superior because he just played it so beautifully well. He did have my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> one, don't ever touch me again. I got that one. <laughs> Two, don't ever touch me again. <laughs> I was that 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 was that was a beautiful scene. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe because the character wasn't intended to be charitable dynamic, he was kind of the contrast to that. You know, he does wooden well when he's called what he's called to do it. This character wasn't necessarily wooden, but he had a lot of those elements, if you will. Um, I so I wasn't terribly fond of the character, unlike Kid. I did. Um, I, I like Idris, Idris, though. I'll watch him do anything for a while, at least. He was and, great as McCafferty. <laughs> mm. So much. Uh, 
Charlie Hunnam as a, a oh. Raleigh Beckett. Oh, oh okay. This, Actually, here, I need to. Here comes the kid. I need to jump in. Uh, you, <laughs> I need to jump you, in. You here. can't even let me get it out. This is th- no, this is my I, job. I gotta, yeah, this, I gotta this, jump in here. My job. There's there's this phenomenon on YouTube that I'm fond of. Uh, if you look up music videos on YouTube that have ever showed up in a, a series or a movie or anything, and you look in the comments, there will just be lines of hundreds of comments of people saying, I'm here from whatever, you know, use the music. And uh, everyone has to chime in. I'm here from the same thing. I'm So for me, this movie was, I, I was always going to watch this movie, but my wife was very much, I'm here from Sons of Anarchy. Right. And ah, which is what I was going to say. Of that course. is what, what made this a movie that the two of us could share because she came here to see uh, uh, Jax, Charlie Hunnam, and um, I, I want to say Clay, but obviously I should know this guy. Ron. Um, <laughs> yes, I haven't you. mentioned him yet because he's at the other end of the cast list, but go right ahead. I'll, I'll, <laughs> let, you, I'll let you take it back. <laughs> now, uh, yes, um, Charlie Hunnam was in a little thing called Sons of Anarchy from like 2008 to 2014. So this was right in the middle of it when he filmed this. I don't know how that worked out exactly, but um, he was obviously a favorite in S of A. Uh, Ron Perlman, of course, also from Sons of Anarchy. Love that man. And uh, played Hannibal Chow in this, which, uh, I, I mean, I could talk about the stuff that Ron Perlman has done, but that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Hannibal Chow for NBC. <laughs> must watch them all. If it was you know, you know. <laughs> oh, I forgot to watch the mid credit scene again. That's actually pretty cool. Pretty funny. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, and he was in this too, but not a huge role, of course, but he was, but he really stole the show. I caught a couple of clips from him. Uh, see, Rinko, Rink, Rinko uh, Kikuchi, Kikuchi as uh, Mako Mori, and she was amazing in this role. This wasn't, this was kind of a demanding role for a very subdued character, and I thought she inhabited it well. Doesn't make her memorable, <laughs> doesn't make the character memorable, but... I'd love to know where else I, I should know her from. Not much of anywhere. I okay. looked over her credits, and it's mostly, you know, uh, Asian films. She she did play the witch in 47 Ronin, which came out the same year, which was a, a pretty cool movie if you've ever seen it. It's an interesting movie. Not oh, a very happy ending. I vaguely but, remember it. Um, I, I was recently noticing, because uh, every time you, you happen to, like, just browse through Netflix or something, somewhere along the, the 40, like, 47 Ronin Blades or something, I can't remember what it's called, but there's, like, a sequel out, and I always tell Jonica whenever, my wife, whenever she comes past it, I say, there, how can you sequel this? Everybody died. I'm sorry. It's a spoiler. Everybody dies. That is the point of the movie. Keanu Reeves included. So, uh, spoilers. Uh, Charlie Day. Charlie Day is Dr. Newton uh, Geisler. He, he always makes me smile. He oh, every time I see him, I think I see him. I've seen him in other places, and I've it's never anywhere that I think I've actually seen him. Uh, he was er, during this period. He was Benny in the Lego movies. Obviously, you didn't see him <laughs> in the Lego movies. He's done a lot oh, of voice work. You're telling me he's not a living Lego? He's done a lot of voice work. Uh, there aren't any of those, kid. I know we've had this conversation before. I just you are I, I mean, mistaken. I mainly <laughs> I, know I him from It's them. Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <sighs> he's the Mountain Dew guy. Is he? He does the Do the Dew commercials. Oh, dude. Specifically, the trailer movie. ones that are in movie theaters. Oh, that's why I don't know it. Okay. That's oh <laughs> mm, maybe. Uh, that maybe that's what I said. And uh, he was he was of course in Pac Rim Two, which we'll probably have to talk a little bit about at some point. But There's again, a not too they made a sequel to this. Oh, he yeah. is a Uprising. much more list. important character will, in the sequel. I will I will clue you into why here in about sixty to one hundred and twenty seconds, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, also, Burn Gorman, uh, Gorman, last person on my little list here, uh, played Gottlieb, the other scientist. And he, um, I already knew from several places. He was also in in Pac Room Two. 
both of them reappeared. Uh, but he was in a lot of TV. He didn't do a lot of movies. He cares, he shows up occasionally in movies, but he was in, he had a, a major role in Forever, in Game of Thrones. He was Owen in Torchwood, which was where I yes, originally knew him from. That's where I, I knew him that from. Character. I was having trouble Excellent. figuring out who he was, but I knew I knew him, but I didn't look him up Torchwood. because I didn't care yeah. enough. Which Torchwood's Torchwood. a, way ba- a ways back there now, you know, so that's that's legit. He was much buffer in Torchwood. Yeah, he had a little more going on there, but he was younger too. Uh, $190 million budget, made $37 million its opening weekend, $101 million gross in the U.S., $411 million worldwide. Well, that this shows you where the money is. In. Yeah, not in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, it's a kaiju movie, and those aren't as popular Oh, here. dude. Not taking it back. Okay, so <laughs> They are with a certain kind of people. Yeah. It's a limited yeah. crowd, though. Then here's something to consider, guys. And it was funny because because it wasn't kaiju wasn't a big thing for me. Um, my wife and I went and saw these in the, these, the, this in the theater and the sequel in the theater. And uh, we enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a great theater movie. I mean, huge action. In fact, the biggest con- the biggest uh, uh, criticism I remember having it at the time was that the sequences in the, the fights at night and everything were so dark that sometimes with big stuff happening on a screen like that, it's really hard to tell what's going on. I thought they did that on purpose. Yeah, they do, obviously. But And, and Gil Albert does do some very dark sequencing with a lot of his stuff. He likes those filters. But the uh, we, we enjoyed it in the theater because it was exactly what it is. It's a big, you know, special effects heavy popcorn movie with giant robots fighting giant monsters. If, if the effects were good, you kind of couldn't go wrong. The people were superfluous. They... <laughs> They kind of didn't matter to the quality of entertainment we were looking for at that moment. Now, having watched it at home, most recently on a much smaller television, a much smaller screen, I don't necessarily know that this, the movie kind of holds up at that level, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Now, uh, that being said, I did never went into this going, it's a kaiju movie, which is what Jonica did. My wife was, you know, she has always had a love for anime. She's always had a love for, you know, for the big monster stuff. She went into it. It's a kaiju movie. But to me, it was a mech movie. Oh, yes. And this I is thought, where you and I are on the same page. That's what I kind of was curious about seeing somebody really do. And it's not that mm-hmm. I ever had kind of the love for it like Kid did, because when uh, we met when we were younger, he was very much into like those games, for example, the Battletech. Battletech. Mech Warrior and stuff. Absolutely. Um, I've been waiting for a good Battletech themed movie for my oh, entire life. And, and this is the closest I've got. And back then, yeah, the, some of the I only agree. anime we really could get was mech stuff, you know? Uh, the stuff that was available uh, in the video stores and things uh, in America. But I I really wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really in it for the kaijus. I wasn't in it for the monsters. I liked the big robots and yep. the piloting Wait. robots and how the, and the stress of the pilots. Be, I always wanted to play games that involved playing characters who dealt with the stress of being pilots of mechs. Mm-hmm. Fighting and presumably that was kaiju. such a central theme here. <laughs> or so. other mechs usually, actually. Um, and there's a lot in there's a lot in the concepts in this movie I think to love. The execution may have left something to be desired, uh, but we can talk about that. We're very welcome to talk about it. I've got a handful of notes and trivia and stuff, but if you guys have things that you want to discuss, feel free to jump in. I know you will. I'm gonna. Win. I, I did want to say to Jason real quick. Uh, not only was there the sequel to this movie, which was actually pretty decent as a standalone story. I mean, it, it does come out of this <laughs> and depend on it to a certain degree, but it's its own thing and it disputes or blatantly contradicts some of the things in the first movie. But uh, there was also Netflix had an exclusive animated series called Pacific Rim, the black that was a spinoff set in the same uh, setting, but completely divorced from the events of the movies. 
that was extraordinary if you like that kind of anime. It was absolutely beautifully well done. Did it Jason's have plot? So <laughs> oh, yes. It had plot. Well, it was an anime type plot, but it definitely had plot. You, you, could, you could get lost trying to cut your way through that plot. Okay, what I might you, have to watch that. What are you laughing about, Vanessa? Oh, Jason's reaction. It was very similar to what mine was going to be. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Tom Cruise was considered for the Idris Elba role. That would have been interesting. Oh, that would have made the movie worse. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would have. I can't even picture him delivering the, the key lines. I mean, that's just, no. It wouldn't no, they would have been all. a little different. They yeah, would have had point. to be. I don't think he would have wanted to do that kind of role. I don't think it was central enough. No, and almost no action. Not not to say that he doesn't do non-central roles, but he does those for fun, like in Tropic Thunder. That's a little different than what we got here. Uh, yeah, he's either the Tropic point Thunder. of attention or he's a goof. Yeah, yeah. yeah and know, sometimes both. Gotten to that point in his career. Uh, Taylor Kitsch and Henry Cavill were both considered for the role of Raleigh Beckett, our main character. Uh, Taylor Kitsch we saw in Battleship, which was around this time. Did he last so he longer than a half that. hour? Uh, yeah, he was the main okay. dude in Battleship. Yeah, I don't remember the one, much the one guy Battleship. That did. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, and uh, Henry Cavill, who uh, yeah, everybody knows who Henry Cavill is, right? Yeah. Isn't he, he is. the guy with the uh, animated mustache? <laughs> <laughs> no, the un- animated no mustache. The <laughs> oh, unanimated I mustache. I always get that backwards. It's the unanimated mustache. <laughs> yeah. Or the animated unmustache, depending on how you want to parse it. <laughs> His career is very interesting right now. There's going to be more Superman, I think. We're going to see what happens. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. We have a confirmation from The Rock that there is going to be a Black Adam versus Superman movie. That would be interesting. Uh, of course, I, I think you have to take confirmation from The Rock with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> well, his exact quote was, is, that's the entire reason I got into this. He so. is he is a little Twitter happy with some of the stuff he says. He just rips it. <laughs> You're not sure if it comes from anywhere. Legit. <laughs> But he's passionate, and that's what matters. I still haven't seen Black Adam, though. And I have heard that spoiler related to that, and I didn't want to, you know, spoil anything. But uh, I did, uh, I do, I do want to see it. I, I did get a chance to see Wakanda Forever. We do but... a podcast where we review movies and spoil everything, right? Yes, but we usually wait until they're a decade old. <laughs> yeah, we're not spoiling the movie we're here. To, we're spoiling the movie we're here to talk about, not spoiling other movies that we incidentally have seen recently. That's a little unfair that, to the listeners. That's fair. Actually, that's more fair. often than not, that's exactly what we do. Although now I'm in half panic mode because I didn't know there was a sequel to Pack Rim, and I am worried that somebody's going to say something about the second one. It won't oh, be me. Um, oh, don't worry. <laughs> I won't. I won't spoil that. I don't remember anything about the second one. It's got giant robots and monsters. I think. Oh, way to go! I now think. it's just ruined. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 and I don't think it had any of the same. Although Mexican kaiju, so. I'm in. So uh, anyway. Uh, see, Ron Perlman kept the shoes he wore on the film. I bet he did. They were neat <laughs> shoes. But Those I thought he lost shoes. one of them. <laughs> he does have hard <laughs> shoes to <laughs> his fill. His character did. Uh, later on, his wife had them melted down and converted into a pair of heels for herself. I like that little bit of trivia. <laughs> it beats no! meaningless, but funny. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wow. They weren't gold shoes. They only had gold plates along the top of I them. assume she didn't melt down the leather. Okay. That makes me feel better. <laughs> that takes a Besides lot of heat. Which, there was enough metal on the top of shoe to make a pair of heels. I'm just saying. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> they were sort Donkey of heels. So I, 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 the thing that really kind of fascinates me about the, the movie is the approach they took to the effects. And because we're talking about um, Guillermo del Toro, 
he intended a lot of suit work. <laughs> you know, he got a lot of CGI and they knew they were going to do a lot of CGI, but he went into it with the intention. You know, they, they were always intended to be computer generated, the kaijus were, but all of their designs were expanded from the notion that they could be worn as suits like in traditional kaiju films. Oh, that would that didn't nice. work out. Just a very you know, get on a thing, I think. Uh, approximately a hundred kaiju's and a hundred Jaegers were designed, but only a fraction of them appeared in the film. Um, That's because only nice. a fraction of them were worth using, and, and they could only yeah, fit well, so many. Well, lore. It was already a two-hour movie. Please don't make it longer. <laughs> every every week, the filmmakers had to vote for their favorites. I thought that was kind of funny. And these are the ones they picked. Yeah, I can't well, even imagine what got overlooked. Exactly, exactly. What didn't get well, picked, right? Did it kind of stick uh, with like a fishy? This theme? week we're gonna vote for the trash can. <laughs> I liked some of the creature design. I think I think some of those were intended to be tribute to the genre. Yeah, yeah because yeah. if you go back far enough, you see a lot of things that were very similar to some of what we saw. Like the Russian, uh, the Russian mech was almost ripped straight out of a 1960 sci-fi movie. <laughs> I, I, I saw a lot of that kind of stuff in the trivia too. I mean, I didn't, I didn't rip it to talk about it, but there's a lot of this was a tribute to this and this was referential to this. And, you know, Natora uh, had a lot of influences that he wanted to pay tribute to. That's and great. that makes it, you know, makes them almost Easter eggs for the fans of the genre, which I'm not a hardcore fan of the genre. Any true fan would just laugh at my lack of knowledge about, you know, key history, but, I recognize some of it. The set was built as a non-destroyed Hong Kong, then destroyed and redressed to play as a different area, post-monster battle. And the Hong Kong set was used as four different streets and sets with the placement and dressing of elements changed each time. Worked really well. I can see that. All the street scenes and stuff and everything they did out there, it worked pretty nicely. I mean, obviously, they used a lot of models and stuff when they were building things. So it wasn't, I mean, it was, they did a lot of practical in there, too. Uh, one of the things I read about, and I didn't clip it here to talk about it, but one of the things I read about was a, a sequence they did where a kaiju ran into a building. And because the way the camera shows all the detail of the building as it's hitting in and the arm is going through and stuff, they uh, actually built the miniature, including 3D printing all the little office furniture and stuff to go in there. And then had like some wow. sort of like crane or something because it was a bit, you know, a big miniature has some sort of crane like run into it where they and then they replaced that with a digital arm. So that's a neat level of detail. When he did the into. punch into the Newton's cradle, I'm assuming. Yeah, the Newton's cradle yeah. scene. Okay. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because I can picture it, but I couldn't remember silly. what it was in the movie. Uh, the computer voiced by um, Alec Mac Ellen McLean. The voice of Gladys, the AI from Portal. Yes. Yay. Also a big fan. Is This is, in fact, a cameo by Gladys, as Guillermo del Toro was such a fan of the games that he approached the game's developers, Valve, who approved. <laughs> <laughs> nice. A little less obsessed That's with cake awesome. or destruction of humanity, but there you go. I mean, there was science to be done. And tested. And a neat gun. And a neat gun. For the people who are still alive. So, Jason, it's clear to me that you did not think much of this film. I there there was not much to think about this film, let alone to try and think much. About what point in the film did you realize that it was going to be a movie? <laughs> there wasn't going to be much to think of. <laughs> it didn't take long. This kind of narration. Uh. Yeah, they did a lot of narration in it early on. The opening narration story was really podgy. I, I played some of it there at the beginning. I have like them talking about kind of the setup for the Jaeger. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Here we go. We needed a new weapon. 
The world came together, pooling its resources and throwing aside old rivalries for the sake of the greater good. Don't fight that for monsters, a second. We created <laughs> monsters of our own. The Jaeger program was born. There were setbacks at first. The neural load to interface with the Jaeger proved too much for a single pilot. A two-pilot system was implemented. Left hemisphere, right hemisphere, pilot control. We started winning. Jaegers stopping kaijus everywhere. But the Jaegers were only as good as their pilots. So Jaeger pilots turned into rock stars. Danger turned into propaganda. Kaijus into toys. I, uh, I I feel like the whole thing with the two pilot system was about the most anime thing they could have come up with too. <laughs> and that's yeah. about where the movie I don't lost understand me. why they have pilots <laughs> at all. Right, that's that, that's a mech thing, right? I mean, that's that's classic for what it is. I, I can't even imagine trying to drive mech by wire. <laughs> Just from well... the computer games, we play video games all the time. Tell the things what to do. Remote control. I don't know if I'm the one controlling it. It's not going to do that very well. Your Wi-Fi must be better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> this this just is kind of this, a lot of steroids for a drone program. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that that was obviously the gimme. You had to have buy-in there or it just doesn't work. You know, the whole point was you have to have buy-in here. So they give it to you out of the gate, obviously. They give it to you in the first two minutes of the movie. This is the drift. You know, we're just, we're just, and there was no real reason for it and all like, I mean, I love the whole, that this is too great a load for one mind to bear. So we share the load by sharing our brain. And so that in the first 20 minutes of the movie, we see a pilot move the thing around by himself. They completely yeah, negate sorta. their own rules by letting the guy well. get to shore. No, he didn't do it very well. Took him a while and he was just kind of staggering and then fell over. I mean. And, well, the, and the they talked about the broken. fact that it was... It took its toll. And later on, Herc mentions how how ridiculously... Uh, OP. Yeah, how that rare is. rare that you skill know. is, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, he's only, the only... Only two people have ever done it. Mm -hmm. The other one, of course, being Pentecost. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the the mech that he was in, mech, the Jaeger that uh, Pentecost was in, only appeared in that flashback. I mean, they obviously mm -hmm. designed one for that too. I can't remember what the name of it. They had names for all of them, of course, and names for all the monsters. That you know, they're their nicknames for the Jaegers or for the the kaiju and all that. They saved the best name for the sequel, though. Oh, what was that? Obsidian Fury. Oh, nice. Yeah, I couldn't remember any of they. There was um, at least one country I read where they had to omit the name of um, uh, what's what's the name of our main mech? Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger. Um, I think it was because the the gypsy reference. Pejorative. Gypsy yeah. slur. But uh, the actual reference and the reason it's even spelled the way it is, if you look it up, is it's a reference to a World War II jet engine the gypsy something or other and the uh, actual the markings on the jaeger are even referential to that like it's mm -hmm. got the nose cone paint on the chest plate and stuff so i thought that was interesting um but you know i, I get it after having been through that uh, conversation with listeners myself at one point <laughs> doing uh, 10 years of metagamers anonymous you say something that pisses people off occasionally and i i had to be informed and educated by the listeners and i get it there you go uh, that's about all I got as far as, uh, um, trivia though. So I enjoyed it. I think I already mentioned that. I enjoyed it. I like the effects a lot of this. If it, I mean, 
I but but here's the thing. I recognize. I I do recognize, and I mean this, guys. Having been talking to you guys for the well over a year now about movies, that I am not the guy who notices all the little flaws in the effects. True. You know, I have loved the effects in movies and had Vanessa rip the CGI apart. <laughs> or you know, and, and Jason does it too, of course. It just. I, but, but I'm mostly thinking of Vanessa because it seems to be, she takes great joy in it for some reason. And I, I feel that's. What can I say? I got to do what I'm good at. I, I can't help but take it personally. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. It's nothing against no, I, you. I liked, I liked the effects in this. So where did they fail? They were choppy. Okay. Anytime it was go. high action, it was, it was weirdly choppy enough where I was able to pick up on it and it cooked me right out every time. <laughs> Crazy. I, I thought it was purposefully choppy, but that's that's. It can me. be purposely choppy. That I'm not saying that it's not purposely done, but it bothered me. Yeah, but it was me. still okay. choppy enough that it was bothersome. Exactly. I still got to say one of the things I realized in the rewatch because I watched it years ago. Absolutely loved it. I don't watch movies. I don't rewatch movies too many times. But um, as I watched it, I ended up thinking about how much some of the feel of this reminded me of the Space Sweepers movie, the Korean movie that I absolutely loved that was recently on. And um, and there was there were some, some connections there with it being bigger than life and some weirdness to it. And um, I, I enjoy those pieces. I don't know what, I don't know. Jason? It had some of the energy I liked. Did you see Space Sweepers? I did see Space Sweepers. Did you, what, did you have a similar opinion of Space Sweepers? I enjoyed Space Sweepers for what it was. And I okay. was not watching it for the show, so I had the really critical part of my brain turned off. <laughs> I, I can't remember when Would that came out. To? Have we started the show yet? I don't remember. I, I, I do remember enjoying the movie, though. I, it was it was surprisingly re- really fun and amazingly well done for what it, it was. It was really fun. It didn't have enough kaiju, but you know. <laughs> it it didn't. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Does anything, you know? This Can I ask many, another but- thing? <laughs> you, you you people who like mech things, apparently. You people. You people. <laughs> He's just yeah. obviously not including we himself. We played right. a lot of mech warrior. I'm just saying. Good for you. Uh, why? Did they have to drop the head from a 20-story building to have it attached to the mech after they put the people in it? Because it was uh, cool to watch? Because it looks good? That is fan service, <laughs> plain and simple. <laughs> it really is. I'm sorry, but that's the answer to a lot of the questions about this movie. Because you would think doing it that way, one good punch from the kaiju and that head goes flying. I, I would no, want If you were head- paying attention during that scene, the way that thing bolts in there after it impacts, that's got to be the most secure juncture on that entire thing. It'll all fall apart, and that head will still be stuck on the door. I'm just still we saw saying, that a couple right, times. Okay, right from the get-go, you start out with this whole plot line where they're like, it took us days and days and tens of thousands of lives before we could kill the first one. And so we create these giant robots to punch them. <laughs> Fan service. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, they really? all have their own little extra gimmicks it's nice that in the first 10 minutes them. they but gave you the opportunity to walk out early to, before you wasted too much time on the movie <laughs> no you knew going in though you didn't go to see pacific rim unless you wanted right. to watch mechs fight kaiju that's what you got 
and if you weren't watching it for this podcast, you would have right. turned it yeah, off in the first ten minutes if you weren't into any of this stuff. It took twenty minutes before the title card came up. 17. Yeah, yeah, seventeen minutes in, I timed it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that title card was awesome. Uh, it was a title card. <laughs> I mean that Kid, little, you just summed up exactly the problem that he's mad. having. <laughs> I mean, falling into the little it flaming would, back building thing. the Pacific Ocean. It was just pure entertainment. Yeah, a lot of fan service in there. The entire concept is ludicrous to me. The entire concept of if we had massive monsters suddenly start climbing out of the ocean to destroy everything, that we would big, build big robots to fight them. That is not where we would spend our money. The the wall uh, solution didn't work. Building Uh, a wall, yeah. That That was the wall was was their second option. Right? And the way they doubled down on the wall after one of the kaijo just wades through it, they're like, no, we still feel like this is the best option. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, well, politics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That was a statement, plain and simple. And it was before the wall was a statement. There's also a part of me that thinks this whole thing's an inside job because Hmm. they have classifications and nicknames for kaiju within seconds of them it's showing like, up out of the breach. I love that. Yeah, we're calling Knifehead. Um, all we have you of know, him that, is like sonar buoy information, but <laughs> no, that uh, they, they had they had cameras down there too. But, the category um, thing had to do with the size of the aperture. Apparently, I, I caught could that. Probably tell by the one in the descriptions. Yeah, right. Just like so, it's, they could it had to open the more by the readings yeah. off the aperture. Mm-hmm. They and, tried uh, the, to blow it up. Yeah. They know what's down there. They, they tried to blow it up several times and couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. <laughs> because apparently they had to be scanned like groceries. I loved that bit. <laughs> Which, uh, by me, the way, did anybody else think that that whole scene was stolen directly from ID4? <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that. I just kept thinking about Stargate where you have to give your IDC code before you can come back through the gate. What? ID4. Uh, sorry. Independence Day. I, I know. I was ignoring uh, Richard. I, the, I wasn't sure what he... <laughs> well, I get where he's coming from. The, uh, uh, yeah, I the, know. His because was like, a very good the, the iris. Yeah. 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 If, if, you don't, if you don't send your code through, the iris stays closed and you go splut. The bomb doesn't go off. Or and none of those were actually the first people to come up with the idea. All of them stole from, from previous primary sources that were just not as popular but the or whole, well known. The whole riding the, the bomb into the headquarters, the aliens even looked the same. They, they had that kind of spade-shaped head with the several little pairs of eyes, and they look at the bat they look at the human pilot, and the human pilot looks at them and he kind of says, sorry. Boom. Then he hits the button with the Jolly Roger mouth. Yeah. And yeah, okay, I get where it, you're coming it, from. It yeah, felt, yeah, yeah. It felt ripped straight from the end sequence of ID4. But that's, that's I, a, a you know, it, trope. it threw me because there was no fat lady and there was no cigar. So I did not make that connection at all. There was the no key cigar. element was missing. Dude, I'm kind of bummed out now. Thanks. <laughs> Aww. Oh, uh, we haven't even gotten started yet, sir. Let's, let's talk about the handshake. Rangers, this is Marshal Snack of Pentecost. Prepare for new handshake. Starting in 15 seconds. 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. Ready to step into my head, kid? Please, after you. Age before beauty, old man. Five, four, three, handshake. Initiate. 
The Drift, Jaeger Tech, based on DARPA jet fighter neural systems. Two pilots mind melding through memories with the body of a giant machine. The deeper the bond, the better you fight. Unnecessary plot conjecture to make this movie somehow more interesting. Why? Why did you fight better the deeper your connection? If you're controlling a thing, I. It's okay. He, he missed the one part of sequence. this that actually like made the entire first half of the movie predictable. We were DARPA compliant. Hey, look, the brother's gonna die. Ooh, Within yeah. five minutes of the movie starting, knew that was gonna happen. <laughs> Right. But I'm just saying, if you've ever, I mean, if you lose control of one part of your side of your body, you're going to have trouble until you learn how to get things coordinated at the same time. And that's what the two have. That's why they have to work together. That's why the combat is how you identify if people are compatible, because it has nothing to do with who's hitting each other when. It has to do with how the flows go back and forth between each other and the timing. Richard had by in. The concept is so esoteric. I, I, I don't even so understand it exactly. But I do. I, I was willing to accept it. Obviously, going to, and I. I do love the sound effects during that sequence. And I. I love a lot of the sound work in this movie. So true. That's legit. Uh, bureaucrats. The frequency of the attacks has increased. The Jaegers are not the most viable line of defense anymore. I am aware. Those are my rangers that die every time a Jaeger falls, which is why I'm asking you for one. Excuse me, Marshal. Last chance. One Excuse final me. assault with everything Listen we've to got. Me. The Jaeger program is dead, Marshal. On the other hand, the Coastal Wall program is a promising option. The world appreciates all that you and your men have done, but it's over. We will authorize you to take all remaining Jaegers to the last battle station, Hong Kong. We are prepared to fund you for the next eight months while the Coastal Wall is completed. After that, you will receive no further support. You have your answer, Marshal. Got to admit, that feels like something that we would do. That felt Absolutely. very American to me. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> you know, even the part where we're like, we're going to keep giving you money to cover our asses while we work on this project in hopes that it'll work. But you're on a limited time budget now, buddy. So there you go. Not to mention the part where they give him a deadline by which they will have the wall finished. And then by the time the deadline gets there, the wall's only half finished. <laughs> and been demolished in a couple places. Uh, I mean, you have people working who are desperate for food. I can't imagine why the wall construction's going so poorly. Oh, yeah. How's that a social commentary? Working for food ration tickets. Living in the apocalypse, man. Mm. Good news what or bad is. news. And the funny thing is that that particular element of their society is so central to what's going on, but isn't really central to the story. You know, because the story is about these pilots in this conflict and saving the world, but the society's already pretty broken. You know, the damage been done. And yet you have people who are able to drop 500 pounds for, or $500 for a pound of kaiju bone powder. And yet we still have huge <laughs> population centers on the coast, even though that's where they're fucking attacking. Right? Uh, what? What is it that doesn't... That, that, uh, I don't understand. What, what? How difficult would it be to go, you know what? Hey. Denver looks really nice this time of year. <laughs> I mean, Pompeii, man. Pompeii. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, insane. Not exactly a huge leap there. And there are plenty of great population centers to retreat to and build onto that aren't right by the damn ocean. Yep. Now, to be fair, if they all leave the coast, I'm sure the kaiju would make their way inland. Yes, but it would take <laughs> them a while. Well, that, that was their goal. No, you know what? The people who could afford to move, moved. 
Yeah, the I'm people sure. who were still there were the ones who had nowhere to go and no way yes, to get there. I'm sure that's the, the way it breaks down. If the down, first yeah. one took six days to go 30 miles, you can outrun the damn thing. <laughs> that's because it was taking its time fighting the entire way and yeah, destroying entire yeah. cities and depopulating population centers. But you have to If it had been empty, it could have covered that in a fraction of the time. The cost of living going up so high on the, uh, on the Atlantic I think coast. I'd rather be homeless in Denver than dead in San Francisco. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know. There's days I just disagree with that. So I got some um, Idris and Charlie together here. This is uh, where they uh, hook up. Oh, I missed that six thing. months activating everything I can get my hands <laughs> Not on. Not that hookup. It's an old Jaeger. Mark III. You may know it. It needs a pilot. I'm guessing that wasn't your first choice. You were my first choice. All the other Mark III pilots are dead. Look. Can't have anyone else in my head again. I'm done. I was still connected to my brother when he died. I can't go through that again, man. I'm sorry. Haven't you heard, Mr. Beckett? The world is coming to an end. So where would you rather die? Here or in a Jaeger? But when you put it like that, I so we had to set up the the hero's tragic story, you know, in vivid color right here, full color right here, and then it doesn't really matter the rest of the movie because well, you know the next scene he goes ahead and goes with him, and you know after saying no, I can't do that again, then he goes with him, and then anyway. he meets a girl and yeah. changes his mind. It it has a pretty big impact in the scene where they nearly blew up the shatter dome. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that too. Oh yeah, good point. I was going to ask about that too. The girl, they don't actually develop a relationship, right? I mean, a relationship, yeah, but there's not a romantic element there. Except for the kissing at the end that is totally unnecessary. Was there a kiss yes. at the end? I was watching no. for it at the end and there wasn't. No, there wasn't. They embraced. Okay. They embraced no and she leans into him against his shoulder. Okay. It felt like there was a, Which is the a ocean. perfectly realistic and human reaction to two people surviving something that they both thought they were okay, dead fine. in. And having shared minds. <laughs> Yeah, I got to that sequence at the end, and I was really watching for it because I was sitting here trying to because I was trying to remember right from watching the movie. Is there an end, is there a thing at the end where they go where they go ahead and seal the romantic element there? Which at this point, watching the movie, I would be thinking it which is Vanessa's going to immediately implied. hammer on. It is heavily implied, but I don't think so. I mean, I think that it is because of what they've you know been sharing the brains, the intimacy of what they've been through together, creates a connection that feels very visceral. That doesn't have to have a romantic element at all. And I don't think, because it's Del Toro, and you've seen a lot of stuff, I don't think he was going for romantic in that. I think that he was going for something less. He talks about the things unsaid and, you know, how he doesn't usually make plans until, or he doesn't look towards the future until now. And you get that kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I, I, I'm now thinking about the future because I've met you <laughs> and it's, it wasn't ugh. explicit, but it was highly implied, but yeah, they could, but could if also they be wanted, someone to fight with, but if they wanted it to be the way she looked at him through her it door take when much he more. took off his shirt, there was that, that was now there was that, that moment. Yeah. They got that, in each other's fair, heads, I looked at him the so same he way. got to see that. He knows that she is hot for him, and it, he can go. Oh, oh, wait a second, a girl. And that he's likes a guy, me? so there you go. But so no. that was that was a pure Jax Teller moment. I mean, it really was. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
drooling, like I said, guys. Uh, doctors. I have to drop a 2,400-pound thermonuclear bomb. I need more than a prediction. Well, uh, that's a problem then, because see, he actually can't give you anything more than a prediction. No kaiju entrails over my side of the room. You know the rules. Every bloody day since yes. session. Mm. Old point. Numbers do not lie. Politics and poetry promises these are lies. Numbers are as close as we get to the handwriting of God. Would you give me a moment? There will be a double event. And then shortly thereafter, three. And then four. And then we're dead. I get it. Alas. I loved them. Those two were my favorite characters in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the interaction between them was one of the true joys in this movie. No question. Very, very over the top. Uh, a lot of character there. They, they were the most dynamic characters in the movie. They were the <laughs> only dynamic characters in the movie. Except maybe Ron Perlman's character. And it's still kind of a little understated in his dynamics, if you will. Because it's Ron Perlman. Got five minutes of screen time. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, they got 20. <laughs> I mean, it definitely it definitely shows. Uh, I, I loved it, though. I thought it was fun. Let's see. I call this one unpredictable. But you're not one of the candidates tomorrow? I am not. The marshal has his reasons. Yeah, he always does, doesn't he? But with 51 kills, I can't imagine what they could be. I hope you approve all my choices. I've studied your fighting techniques and strategy. Even Alaska. What do you think? I think you're unpredictable. You have a habit of deviating from standard combat techniques. You take risks to endanger yourself and your crew. I don't think you're the right man for this mission. Again, this place feels like a place where they are using exposition to create an image of the character that we don't really have reinforced much in the movie. It's like, here's a chance to give us character development without us having to show it. Right, because it was all stuff that happened before. It was She studied all of his fights. We got to see one fight, and it was the fight that he blew. At the time, he was with his brother, and you could tell from their attitude going into it that they had kind of that upbeat, high you know, high, just, just, you know, devil may care kind of approach because they were rock stars. They were looking for their seventh notch. That means they had had six successful engagements before then, which was um, at the time a record. So mm -hmm. the kind of person he is now after however long that, do, do you guys know how much time has passed? Since Five then? years, four months Five. and so many days. Okay. Actually, he never said days. He just said five years and four months. Oh, okay. So five years you know, have passed. He's going to be a different person anyway. And that's five years, mind you, not only since he washed out of the program because of what happened to his brother, but after losing his brother, you know, and that relationship having all that fallout as a consequence of that, not to mention the other elements that they imply that we can't necessarily understand, like he was still connected to him at the time in the drift, things like that. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of room for saying, I'm a different guy now. I'm not going to behave like that anyway. So why was the setup important to prove that she felt that he was not right for the job, but then nothing else that she did after that seemed to support that? It was a weird decision to me. And if she didn't think she he was right for the job, why would she even consider linking up with him? Right. Ambition, her her need for vengeance, her one chance to get a pilot of Jaeger, I guess. I mean, after all, if this mission was successful, it would have been the last. This was literally her last chance to strike a blow for, you know, what she had lost. I don't uh, think it's enough. And also, know. by the way, just in case anybody was wondering about intentions or uh, dramatic effect or whatnot, you talk about how great the music was at setting things up. That was a love theme. You think so? 
you know that 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 mm-hmm. little the, the background music between them was 100% a romantic little jingle trying to get into our heads that they're going to connect. That. There was definitely, I mean, there was definitely a need to establish intimacy in the characters, obviously, for what they wanted to do. And then five seconds later, him. he takes off his shirt and she gets caught staring. Legit. Okay. And you were complaining. Not that he took off his shirt, that there's Just the romantic <laughs> BS. Uh, the Drift. We're not in the simulator now, Mako. Remember, don't chase the rabbit. Random access brain impulse triggers, memories. Just let them flow, don't latch on. Tune them out, stay in the drift. The drift is silence. Neural interface The drift is silence. I love that. You're going to connect to each other's brains, but you're not supposed to hitch onto memories. I, I, well, for obvious reasons, because what happened next? (laughs) (laughs) They then explained to us in the movie why that's relevant. That's a nice uh, example of show us, don't tell us, in my opinion. I love Alice in Wonderland references for no reason. Chasing the rabbit is great. Yeah, but then they had to turn it into an acronym. That kind of ruined it for me. Did they really? I missed that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> random access brain impulse triggers rabbit rabbit oh i com- totally missed that that is really terrible <laughs> oh yeah it's awful one of the worst <laughs> oh dude okay social commentary right we gotta have it it's the apocalypse terraforming they're colonists they overtake worlds they just they just consume them and then they move on to the next and they baked it before in sort of a trial run it was the dinosaurs but the atmosphere wasn't conducive, right? So they waited it out, and they waited it out. And now, you know, with ozone depletion and carbon monoxide polluted waters, well, we practically terraformed it for them. Because now they're coming back. It's perfect. See, the first wave, that was just the hounds. Categories one through four, it was nothing. Their sole purpose was to aim for the populated areas and take out the vermin. Us, the second wave, that is the exterminators. And they will finish the job. And then, the new tenants will take possession. I do have to make a uh, pretty critical nitpick here because he first says they're colonists and then he describes their behavior, which is like 180 degrees, exactly the opposite of what colonists would do. They consume everything and then they're gone. It's a, a, that is actually a very heavy lifting kind of word, too. Uh, I just watched Wakanda Forever, and that, it was a reminder there, like they did in the first one, too, where they refer to the Americans and such as colonists or colonizers, rather colonizers. And I, I think it's interesting because there are the differences in what happened to the African people. Um, the It's a really strong sort of indication of how to look at something from the outside and, and adjudicate a behavior based on how it affects you. But then going on to demonstrate that in, the, in his next breath that, like you said, but what they're actually going to do is come in and just kind of wipe us out. Yeah, that's not colonizing anything. I mean, unless you no. call it just colonizing the land. I mean, it's exactly like we colonized what the moon. we've done you with America. Colonize you colonize the land. the land, take away all of its resources, and then move on to something else. Take all the people, make them do all your work for you, and then move them off to places where you don't want to live. That, that's the part of it that I think um, kids are referring to, though, is that in the traditional respect of, like, for example, American colonization— what we did to the indigenous people was a big part of that. What we did, like I was there. What <laughs> well, our ancestors you identify as did. part of the group, Americans. Yeah, I mean, and I, the Americans are who did that. So. I clearly am not 
from the indigenous stock. If you see me on the street, you'll know. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like that's, like I said, I think the word it does a lot of heavy lifting and I'm not sure, like kids said, if it's appropriate here, but I do, uh, I do like yeah, the general feel of they are colonists as in they are moving to our territory. That's, I think, kind of what they're going for. Like if we colonized Mars, we would still call it colonizing, wouldn't we? We would definitely call it Even colonizing. Even though the Martians wouldn't yeah. be, I mean, if we found Martians, we'd probably, you we know. We would probably kill them still because turn them into slave labor. that's what we're Treat good them poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we are so unprepared for the Martians. Once they grok, <laughs> we are doomed. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> There's movies about that too. Uh, Hannibal. What do you want? I'm looking for Hannibal Chow. I was told he was here. Who wants to know? The shoes. I really can't say. <laughs> ah! Ah! Doctor Pentecost sent me. Oh, oh, that's great. That's real great. So I take it you're, you're Hannibal Chow, right? I like the name. I took it from uh, my favorite historical character and my second favorite Sichuan restaurant in Brooklyn. Now tell me what you want before I gut you like a pig and feed you to the skin louse. <laughs> Which is the best explanation for the worst name ever. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and anybody listening, if you don't remember that scene, the the noise he was making was because he stuck the tip of his knife in his nose, in his nostril, and lifted. So that he... <laughs> the, yeah, that, uh, that metal so clinging good. sound. He had a butterfly knife, and he did the fancy uh-huh. <laughs> pulling out your butterfly knife. I, I mean, we've all been in that situation. I can't count the number Or maybe of it's just me. This was why, um, you know, this is why Ron Perlman gets hired. <laughs> yeah, I'm straight like that, and he's Ron Perlman. Yeah, that's what I said. Those, those are the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He was fun, though. I, I, I felt like his, uh, he, whenever he appeared on screen, I was just smiling. So unlike everybody who at this point in the movie wished they were dead, I was really enjoying Hannibal Chow. I absolutely adored Hannibal Chow, but nothing more so than his final moments. <laughs> Well-deserved, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, anyone who left the theater when the credits started rolling didn't know that. Conversation. Hey, hey, this conversation is over. Marshall, Marshall, can we just talk about this for one second? You rescued her. You raised her. You're not protecting her now. You are holding her back. One, don't you ever touch me again. Two, don't you ever touch me again. Now, you have no idea who the hell I am and where I've come from, and I'm not about to tell you my whole life story. All I need to be to you and everybody on this dome is a fixed point. The last man standing. I do like that. I, his, oh, that whole speech was good. His character establishment was really strong. I mean, I, I do. I gotta say that. Uh, let's see. I've only got a couple left. Are you guys? Are you guys okay? Are everybody? Oh, are you yeah. guys hey, checking yeah. out yet? You know, I, I see. A, I see a lot of you know a lot of you playing a video game in the background, or you know, <laughs> what, what trying to get through again? the PTSD of watching the movie and listening <laughs> to the movie again. Surely there's I, I no was, worse. <laughs> I was actually playing Pacific Rim. It's oh, a I great see, video yeah. game. No, I'm joking. I'm not. I'm not playing a video game. Uh, let's see, brain, brain. Oh yeah, uh, more. Yeah, more of this guy. So what's the deal, little fella? Well, that's classified. So I couldn't tell you, even if I wanted to. But it is pretty cool. So I might tell you. I'm gonna tell you. 
I figured out how to drift to the kaiju. Are you funning me, son? It's fascinating how their minds work. Every single kaiju is minds connected. Uh, the species has like a like a hive mind. Holy jeez. You've got it done, haven't you? I did it a little bit, yeah. You goddamn moron. Are you funning me, son? <laughs> oh, God, that line. <sighs> Weird turnaround from, uh, you won't believe I did this. You won't believe that you, apparently this is a thing you can do to, no, no, I know because I've done it and you're a f***ing idiot. <laughs> One of the things that was kind of funny there is that the, uh, the, def the, the reference to what he wants there is the second brain, quote unquote. Which is based on the theory that certain dinosaurs, particularly like so Stegosaurus, yeah, that the, the craniums are too small to house the motor functions that they needed to manage such a large body. Now, that Which is theory has had, by the time this movie came out, largely been disproven. Even at that, I mean, it would be just motor neurons. It wouldn't be memory or core critical no, thinking it would or be anything. More like all. ganglion than a brain. I think we we had started understanding better the central nervous system before this point and understanding how it functions that capacity and that the brain, as we think of it, is actually more a function of both together. In humans, much our, less animals. Our gut brains are more of a brain than the secondary would have been. But I, I thought it was funny that they, because uh, that was a choice at that point. Keep that in the script, obviously. It's just part of the story. Uh, by Jove. No, I am not wrong, but there is something here that we don't understand. Okay, perfect. hopefully we can argue about any mistakes you made in your predictive model in the future. But in the meantime, the neural interface is way off the charts. If you want to help, help with that. Newton, I am not wrong. There is only one way to make sure. And that is to do this together I'll go with you that's what the Jaeger pilots do share the neural load you're serious you you would do that for me or you would you would do that with me well with worldwide destruction a certain alternative do I really have a choice but say it with me my man we're gonna own this bad boy by Job we are going to own this thing for sure <laughs> The awkward handshake was great. <laughs> was, was was he palsied? Is that what that was? Maybe. Yeah. I, I wasn't know. entirely sure what they were going for there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it. I mean, I don't think it came up in this or the sequel. So I don't know. Well, he's still alive in the sequel, so I wouldn't have expected him to survive much past this if it was cerebral palsy. But true. Again, don't know. I don't know how much time passed either between the two movies. Do you? Uh, approximately. It was about a decade. Okay. Yeah, it's your brother, right? Uh, yeah. So I've got the big uh speech, which wasn't actually very big, but it was a speech. If you guys want to hear it, the 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 moment where the president gets out amongst all the jet fighters and talks about it, it's our Independence Day. My mom called. Oh, my, yeah. my mom called that out too. She's like, "Was that the speech from Independence Day?" <laughs> which, to be fair, when he did it Independence Day, it wasn't exactly original either. That is a tried and true thing. It's it a trope. In Independence Day, it was so memorably executed because it was a well-written speech. Yeah, and Bill Pullman and this, was a great orator. This just had really one well-written line. The rest of it was yeah, kind of typical. Was, uh, French Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears? Or That's was the, it one. the other yep. one? Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, I think it starts like this, though. Today is our independence. Oh, sorry. At the edge of our hope. The end of our time. 
We have chosen not only to believe in ourselves, but in each other. Today there's not a man nor woman in here that shall stand alone. Not today. Today we face the monsters that are at our door and bring the fight to them. Today we are canceling the apocalypse. I do love the music in there. But yeah. it does what it's supposed to do. Alright. Um, okay. I just kind of wanted to roll through someone I had and watch your reactions. And you have been very pleasant. Thank you. I appreciate you all. Neen. Uh, I got one more. It's crazy me too tight. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> This is Marshal Hercules Hansen, the breach is sealed. Stop the clock! Okay. Boy, he yanked that power grab as fast as he could, didn't he? <laughs> I, oh, you just jumped on me too. Time for I was some thumbs say, up, thumbs down. <laughs> I was going to say two things. One, Hercules Hansen has a superhero name. Huh. And two, did he just did he just promote himself to Marshall? Yes. Is that what he did? There? He straight yes. up did. Yes. That guy blew up my son. I'm taking his title. Okay. Here, here I cleverly put these elements together so it rolled right into the sounder and you guys got to crap all over it. Yes, because you didn't give us a chance to make horrible comments about horrible commentary. You have an <laughs> entire right, yeah. section I'm going to give you to do that right now. You, those are already full. We've got those all figured out. Here's <laughs> the crap out of my way. I, I, it's my turn at the lectern. <laughs> it's all good. Um, here, just, just to make it official. <laughs> So besides Vanessa's eyes were rolling so hard during that entire s s clip I played, I I I was I had to recover. I needed some time. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, thumbs true. up, thumbs down, um, Rich. What do you got? Okay. So thumbs down. I'm just right from the get go. I love. I mean, I love, 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 love cheap homebrew. <laughs> Uh, B B movie sci fi. I, I'm there for it. It's a hundred percent me. The opening plot brought in so much that I just absolutely had to set aside to be able to take it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be where our standard is, and this is the reason why we're here. But boy, some of these reasons are just you could have done better. Um, so thumbs down, honestly, the whole, the whole opening premise killed me. Once I got past that though, I started liking the rest of the movie. Big on the mechs, huge, huge kanji fan. Um, I just absolutely loved Godzilla growing up and I think I've watched every single Godzilla there ever was. Um, and it was a thing. Um, I, I really did. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the drifting, um, and the, the minds and the, and the working together and the way they, they did that, even if some of the exposition of it I didn't love. But to me, it built a world that I could live in, exist in, and possibly role play in. Um, 
and I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the story. I enjoy the thing about it. Um, it it is. It's it's giant robots versus giant monsters, and um, the effects were actually really good compared to what I I used to you know <laughs> love in effects. Um, I don't kill me. I'm giving it five stars. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, if this is a reason that we don't broadcast in the same room anymore. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and I'll do it again. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, your rebuttal, please. He made my thumbs down list really easy because his thumb up list was my thumb down list. <laughs> nice. No. Okay, so I'm going to start with Everything thumbs up because that list was really <laughs> short. Thumbs up. The Scientists, Hannibal Chow, and that's it. <laughs> I didn't like the story. I didn't like the buildup. There was absolutely zero buy-in from me. I was waiting for two hours for the movie to be over. I, it didn't make any sense. Neural connections to pilot a freaking robot no there, there is no place in my mind where this can begin to hit a comprehension for the three characters in the movie that i liked this movie gets one star <laughs> I, you know I like your choice of fingers your thumbs up and thumbs down <laughs> were both in my thumbs ups <laughs> is that is that legit is it, it can I, be that's funny. totally fine it's funny too because i know you're an anime fan but a younger anime fan so I don't know necessarily how you hold with some of this, but a lot of that stuff you're talking about, like the neural connections and piloting mechs and all that stuff, uh, we're talking Evangelion. Yeah, those are not the we're animes that I watch. We're talking One. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. Ooh, yeah, a lot of that old, a lot of that old mech stuff, which was very much about having the ability to connect with some sort of psychic thing to this. Yeah, I don't, I, and I never loved that about it necessarily. I didn't love that about the animes, but I get it. But that was before PlayStation controllers where we could actually move that many buttons at the same time. Again, it required yeah. a buy-in that I just couldn't buy into. <laughs> I, no, I, that's legit, man. I, I, I get it. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, where do you stand on this movie today? Uh, hopefully past it. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, that is absolutely true. Oh, where to begin? Uh from the get-go, this movie lost me. I I do not believe that the governments would put aside their differences to build the machines necessary to do this. And if they did, they wouldn't do it under a German program. Uh, how did it all of a sudden become the Jaeger program for Hunter in German, of all things? It just... We're, we're, we're going to call these kaiju, which is Japanese for monster, but we're going to call ours after German hunters. No. I, Both terms, by the way, that were used because they were trying to set the movie apart in some way from all of that source material that inspired it. And they still ended up using words that had been used before. Now, kaiju, of course, has been off and on anyway. But Jaeger was something they thought they, they'd come up with that hadn't been, and it turns out. There was another movie. You want to know how they came up with it? This isn't in your trivia because it's absolutely not true. But the writers were getting drunk and they're like, we don't know what to call the mechs. (laughs) And somebody had licorice liquor and they said, let's call them Jaegers. Stuff is so awful. Jaegers, the last name of the the main character in Attack on Titan. That might have been it, too. 
could to be, be yeah. fair, if you're going to build no. a mech-creating factory, you're probably going to put it as far away from the Pacific as possible. But they didn't. They had them. They each country built their own. The Russians built theirs, and the Americans built theirs, and Hong Kong mm-hmm. built theirs. They all had their own hangars with their own mechs and their own things, and the German mechs didn't even enter into it. So it's just it's just one of the little things that makes me go, huh? And then the fact that they start building this wall and they decide to defund the Jaegers as soon as the thing goes, and then they break through the wall and they don't come crawling back to the captain saying, hey, you know what? We changed our mind. We're not going to decommission you because our wall just fell down. That call, that phone call would have happened immediately after what happened in Australia. But did it? No. The Australian mech still shipped to Hong Kong immediately after it just saved Australia. What? No, they're they're not gonna go ahead and ship it off after it just after the reason it was getting shipped off completely and totally failed. None of this movie made sense. Yep. None of it. It was plotless, pointless, action-based dribble, and the action wasn't even that actionable. It was dark. It was hard to see. It was choppy. It was not fun. I did not enjoy all of the things that I really should have enjoyed from this movie that I wanted to enjoy from this movie. Which probably made it worse. Which probably made it worse because I'm sitting here going, okay, I like monsters. I like robots, but I did not like the monsters. I did not like the robots. Power Rangers did a better job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of having realistic, believable battles between giant monsters and giant robots than this piece of garbage. Nobody, nobody has ever used the words Power Rangers realistic and believable in the same sentence before, ever, my friend. That was amazing. Thank you. This film <laughs> gets one half star, and that's just because it had uh, Hannibal Chow in it. <laughs> one half I star feel for generous. <laughs> Wow. Well, you <laughs> gave it a full star for three actors. That's fair. I gave it a half star for one actor. That's fair. <laughs> but no, I. if I ever have to ingest this garbage again, it'll be too soon. So Pac Rim 2 is the next movie up, nope. right? <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa is exercising her veto power. <laughs> that, that machine's got the list. I've already verified All right, our kid. next movie. <laughs> All right, kid. You have the conk, my friend. So I have the exact opposite situation that Jason does, um, because this movie at the time it landed was square in the middle of my wheelhouse. It's based on this uh, anime foundation. You've got the the mechs, you've got the the giant monsters, um, and then you've got this almost uh, metal power ballad of uh, a theme against uh, this almost soap opera-esque backdrop of all these characters' interrelations with each other. Um, it was it was made for me, and I responded accordingly. I absolutely fell in love with it at the first viewing. I bought into the movie. I bought into the mythology. I wanted to see more. Uh, they've never prevent, pre- presented enough material in this world for my satisfaction. But one thing I never did, never dared to do until it was required of me when it came up on our list, 
was sit down and say, okay, critical mode on. And there is a shit ton to criticize in this movie. <laughs> there really true. is. It's true. <laughs> and I, I'd never, ever dared to, to look. But once I did what I saw, I cannot unsee. Um, because it's bad. I told you it's not really to look behind bad. the curtain. I told you not to look behind the it's, curtain. The, the pseudoscience completely fails on every level to even remotely come across as believable to someone who knows anything about the technologies and disciplines involved. It, it's like they didn't even make an effort to make it feel. They just kind of put some window dressing on it and thought it'll sell. And it did. Um, <laughs> and I feel, I feel horrible for that now. Um, <laughs> A lot of the scenes that I used to think uh, I was, you know, really getting into the way the characters were interacting. I'm looking at it now and going, this is tripe. I can't buy this at all. What the hell? Like a lot of the interactions between uh, uh, Mako and um, what is his actual name in the movie? Raleigh. Uh, Raleigh. Thank you. Uh, between Raleigh and Mako and Pentecost are just so over inflated that it it's painful. It's like watching bad professional wrestling and speaking of bad professional wrestling, why the hell are the Kaiju and the Jagers throwing each other? That's a terrible idea to do ever. <laughs> and they do it all the time. This is not a wise tactical decision in any situation. And yet we see it happen over and over again. Every single Jaeger's got this some special gimmick weapon, but they only try to use them as finishing moves. It's yeah. almost like their combat protocols were ripped straight out of a fighter video game. It's a plot staple. <laughs> Trying yeah. to be even yeah, remotely yeah. realistic. Uh, <laughs> now, that being said, some of the fights were still spectacular, even being critical about it. The fight in the city uh, between Gypsy and the, uh, the tongue one yeah. was pretty impressive. Uh, but backing up a little bit to just before that, when the huge uh, change of pace at the beginning of that battle, the thing fires off the organic EMP. Really? Are we supposed to buy that? The organic EMP that shuts everything down. They're evolving. Okay, num <laughs> number one, any piece of military hardware anywhere in use is shielded. Its electronics are, are shielded against magnetics specifically because this is a known thing that happens that can be done and it doesn't work. The shielded electronics divert that electrical current around the sensitive parts and nothing gets fried, nothing gets shut down. Number two, when uh, Raleigh comes out there and he's like, there's one that still works, Gypsy's analog, nuclear. Do you even know <laughs> the meaning of the word? You're, you you can't have analog electronics. That's not a thing. <laughs> there's and gears and pulleys. Didn't you thing, notice that the nuclear power pulls even, the pulleys? Yeah. Even if it were a thing, it would still be electronic which means you would still induce electricity into the circuits <laughs> from the electromagnetic wave, which would overload them beyond their resistance and fry them unless it's shielded, so which, just which they worse. all should have been. Just to be clear, that's a thumbs down, right? <laughs> that is a massive <laughs> thumbs down. Your just made my heart happy. Terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely this, if this movie was made for the kinds of people that I am and I watched it 40 times and just now saw that, I am ashamed of myself because that is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more, but I'm, I'm going to stop there. Um, I'm not even going to talk about the Chinese guy with the thunderhead formation because I could go on for five minutes about that alone. Oh, my. Yeah, was that one oh. guy only responsible for an arm? 
it doesn't work that way except <laughs> apparently for that one machine i was for mad some there reason, wasn't another leg it works that way and they put two arms on one side now the other thing though like when uh they flipped over it and it rotates around so that the front becomes the back that was actually a very cool but if it's being piloted neurally by people Anytime you try to do something that a person cannot physically do with their body, you are going to seriously screw up their brain. So that's a no-go right there. It was cool. It was a really neat effect. It was very creative, but it breaks your premise. Oh. So all of that being said, there were some incredible lines that I was just absolutely delighted by. Um, one of my favorites is when Herman comes running out into the room while uh, Gypsy's getting ready to blow up the place or before she gets blows up the place. And Pentecost is like, I'm in the middle of something. And he's like, Newt made a neural bridge from garbage and drifted with a kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, like succinct and to the point. The you look get on a, the Marshall's face. That, that was that one was of Vigis's awesome. better moments. It really was. There are little tiny scenes like that that slip through, rise up out of the dross, and just even while I was being vastly disappointed with my critical viewing, just really made me smile inside. Yeah. I cannot give this movie the rating that I absolutely want to, uh, but I'm also not going to give it the rating that it critically should have earned. I'm going to split the difference, and I'm going to give it four stars. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so Rich, I had to think about this a little bit because you know I, I, I'm I'm glad I don't have to go through what you guys do and and discuss my feelings in group. But, <laughs> <laughs> Movie therapy. Uh, but I definitely had to stop and and kind of consider where I fall on this because as a reminder to everybody, I gave Independence Day five stars. I'm sorry. I gave Battleship five stars. I love that movie. Nope. I cannot quite give this five stars. And I really wanted to. I really, really wanted to today. The thing is, when you get right down to it, I don't feel like the characters are people I connect with enough. They needed more. Not because the movie needed to be something other than what it is, but because that's what I would have needed from the movie to make it a five-star movie, I think. I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I really enjoy it. I had a good time. My son and I watched it recently, and we had a blast. It was good. I did not find myself wanting to immediately go out and watch the sequel. I think I remember that I didn't think the sequel was as good as the first one. So there's that. It's not in a lot of ways, but it has a couple of really cool ideas sure. that, that they really obviously wanted to explore. There just wasn't really anything in this movie that wasn't what I expected. You know, He was super and, predictable, and being, which didn't help it either. <laughs> you know, I... I I bet I could clip together you saying that in a lot of different shows and come up with a good five minutes or so, Vanessa. <laughs> you obviously see a lot of stuff coming, and I respect that. Maybe you shouldn't watch. Doesn't bother me. Ball out. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, when but you build a movie out of fan service and tropes, that's the result. It you're doesn't going to be predictable because you can look it up. But I mean, the dude saying yeah. goodbye to yep. his dog um, immediately knew he wasn't coming back. Right. I think they all knew that but, in that scene. Honestly, I mean, he was going he knew to want to. Back. Detonate a nuclear bomb on his back. That yeah. was his whole reason yes, for going out. Yes, through the entire. And the guy movie, he was going out with, he said he was coming back. The guy he was going out with had told that he was going to die if he ever got another Jaeger. He didn't tell so. that guy. There you go. <laughs> no, the audience. <laughs> but yeah, with the with the broad spread, uh, it actually comes out to an even three stars, which technically rates it as a good movie. But your particular mileage may vary. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> we definitely demonstrated that. 
rather firmly. If you have no interest in giant robots and giant monsters beating each other up, if you have no interest in a movie made of tropes and fan service, this probably isn't your thing. If, on the other hand, you're listening to those and going, ooh, that's what I'm looking for. You're going to love this movie. Bring bring popcorn and leave your brain at home. And as always, if you haven't watched this jar. movie and you just listen to us rattle on about it for an hour and 15 minutes, what is wrong with you? Ah! Like we pointed out early in the show, spoiler is not even the word for it. We absolutely demolish any expectations you may have walking into a film, even though we don't have any of the same expectations. You know, we just talked about that. None of us got the same thing out of this movie, even though some of the ratings looked similar. And yet, frankly, we spoiled everything. There is nothing left. If you haven't seen it, don't bother unless you want to watch Big Monsters Fighting Kaiju, I guess. I guess that's what kids said. I mean, there okay. you go. You talked me into it. I'll watch it again tonight. Have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. This isn't a shelter. <laughs> he will. This is a buffet line. <laughs> what do we got coming up next week, Vanessa? Night at the Museum. What was the score? Next show. Oh, he, he gave it three, oh. three stars. Sorry, yeah. I missed it. Yeah, yeah I can understand. <laughs> After having to go through that. You look exhausted. Sir. Night at the museum. Night at the museum. Next. Night at the museum. Make sure you watch it before next uh, next episode. That'll be fun, and uh, that'll actually we'll have a couple weeks off in there too. Uh, we'll talk about schedules a little bit, but uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up after we record this one. So, uh, thank you very much for joining us. For Rich, for Vanessa, for Jason, the kid. I'm Eric. Have a great week. Drop some lead on those motherfuckers!